Why is it? Why is it that I'm I'm still poo-pooed? Right? Right. And I reserve the right to say I have been poo-pooed. <laughs> good good gentle folk of the village. I'm in the village square um at this point. Basically, right, if if we lived in a village and not did a podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd be in the village square wearing one of those hats, the farmer's hats that are sort of straw and go up tall. And I'd stand on a little bit of a brick wall that's in the sort of roundabouty bit. Um, and I'd yell at everyone, Oi, why am I still being poo-pooed about the village when I am so right, you <laughs> bastards? I'm trying to picture myself in this scene. And for some reason, I can't picture myself anywhere in the village square other than in the stocks. And I don't know why that's where I am. But that's where I am. I'm over in the stocks. Yep, yep. <laughs> You're in the stocks because you... um Flick the V's at the vicar. Oh. The vicar walked by, and you were plucking chickens. <laughs> you were plucking chickens outside the tavern for <laughs> for dinner, for master's dinner. Conrad is master. He's the baron <laughs> of the village. Bit oppressive. <laughs> and, and then, sort of, the vicar walked past, and then you just sort of like really sort of gave the two fingers, like proper oasis style. You know what? Putting me in the stocks ain't going to stop me flicking the V's. I can do it from the stocks. My hands will just be a bit far apart. <laughs> That's why they're throwing tomatoes and yogurts at you. Oh no! Yeah, but you're you're over on the steps being poo pooed. Why are you being poo pooed? They're squirting frubes at you. <laughs> oh, no, not frubes. That's petty for tubes, Laura. <laughs> That is petty for Lewin tubes. The baron sh- <laughs> the baron baron Zimmerman ships in the petty for Lewin tubes just to squirt at, at chicken plucking tavern girls that flick the V's at Vickers. That was a great sentence I just said. That was excellent. Wow. That was a wonderful sentence. Oh, it's no wonder I'm singer of the year. It's no wonder I've got the number one Christmas single. Folks, <sighs> I am in the town square. Right? Being poo-pooed. Being poo-pooed and angry about it because once again I'm right. Or what I'm the one who has to keep eating shit, or because, you know, oldie timey village manure. Uh, I'm the one that has got to keep eating cow pats from the field, right? The top field. Yeah. Because I am saying things that are right, and then people say, boo, boo. And then every time I'm right, and then it's fashionable to agree with me. But then they still point at me and say, but yeah, you were still wrong because it's you. <laughs> Which sometimes people do just say. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're right, but it's them. Oh, Cassandra strikes again. <laughs> Every year there's at least one thing. Anyway, the point is... <laughs> what a week CD Project Red had. They have had a hell of a fucking week, huh? That's the thing of it, right? I mean, and, and you know, some of these things I will claim almost entire fucking credit on. But with CD Project Red, I wasn't, I mean, Laura was, was as well criticizing CD yeah. Project Red stuff this year. There were quite a few of us, but like, don't trust that they're your friends here. Mm-hmm. They're still a corporation. They're still, like, yeah. CD Project is still a publisher here, you know? And and people were like, no, shut up, they're great, they're by the gamer, for the gamer. It's like everybody always seems to forget that they own God. And the fact they still ad- address, like, gamers in their bright neon yellow apology letters is, it's so patronizing. Uh... And it's so transparent when they take devotion, like when they, they pull devotion from... G-O-G. They say yeah. they did it because of feedback from gamers. <laughs> it's like they're smearing shit in someone's face and literally telling them they want it like it's 
you want to see what pandering is, right? And you want to see what, because, I mean, everyone knows this was popular, right? In the mid 2000, uh, 2010s, people love to say virtue signaling, usually for the wrong reason. Usually they were pointed at someone who just believed something <laughs> and said virtue signaling. You, and I've done this before, and it's, I think the last time I did it, it was a fucking corporation as well, because they're the finest bloody examples. If you want a good example of virtue signaling, look at fucking CD Project. Look at how it talks to people and look at what it does. Look at how it talks to the gamers, to the people, and look at how it treats its own people. Look at the abuse and the toxic work conditions. It's not just overtime and hours. There is an atmosphere of depression in that company. Remember the video I did on Rockstar? It's that. Yeah. It's that. CDPR is, I mean, it's, it's in the same position Rockstar has been in. This darling company that can do no wrong, even though its wrongness is flaunted. It's on public display. And anyone who points at it is poo-pooed in the village and put in the stocks. The vicar was Peter Molyneux. <laughs> There's a twist. There's a twist. And it was Mayor Cage that put her in the stocks. Oh, because that was another one. That was another one where I pointed at Quantic Dream and said, oh. the emperor has no fucking clothes. And everyone said, but the gown, but the elegant, elegant gown. <laughs> I need to tell my mother I have a real job. So I'm going to say heavy rain is art. I was right. And I was hounded from the village with torches and forts. Oh, don't forget the fucking forts. Don't worry, don't worry. We're going to have an I was right story from me later this episode as well. Don't worry, there's plenty of that today. Plenty of... Well, I'm just going to I'm just gonna take a minute to soak in it. Do we want to touch on the CD Projekt Red updates this week? Because there's been some fucking updates. This one's I've forgotten. I tried to be as comprehensive as possible in the video I did on Monday. Stuff was still happening as I was writing it. Didn't have time for the lawsuit threat. Yeah, Microsoft, Sony, both now offering apologies and refunds for the game. Sony delisted it from their store completely, which we talked about last week. Microsoft hasn't delisted it, but has put a huge fucking warning on the digital storefront when you go and try and buy that game that warns you of technical and performance problems. They're at least trying to be like, maybe don't buy this. It's probably a bad idea. We should warn you. Physical retail stores have started taking refunds for opened copies of cyberpunk that never happens yeah you know you were fucked up when physical retail will take back your opened game and give you full price back for it that's a real big fuck up it ain't great it's wacky as fuck no apparently though even factoring in the refunds they still sold 13 million copies of that game already because of course they did of course they did yeah, that's not a shock. No, it's just, it's a sad reality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I want to point out for the listener real quick, just if I can interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. I do not appreciate the position that I was put in as Lord Zimmerman when that took its turn uh, in that story, but <sighs> I was muted and you couldn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> So I and I didn't realize that. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to be Lord Zimmerman now? Tell us about Lord Zimmerman. No, I absolutely do not want to be Lord Zimmerman. That's my point. I do not <laughs> want to be the oppressor in this scenario. Well, it's fine. You you didn't you didn't oppose it at the time, so you're Lord Zimmerman now. Right. <laughs> you missed your opportunity. Oh fuck me. I mean, cut it out. I just always want oh. to include everyone in my fun ideas. <laughs> 
until uh, well, I was fine with it until the idea went a certain way. Then it changed. Way. You were the lord of the <laughs> the rich lord of the manor with his many landlordly properties he owns. <laughs> but yeah, CD Projekt Red is in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, bit bit of a bit of a pickle. This isn't like gonna kill them or anything. Some people have said like they're like oh they're not that massive a company. They they this could finish them or they could get bought out. I'm like. Mm, I mean, there's a, there's always a chance that you know that someone will prey on a ding. They own Gog for fuck's sake. They're in a position like Valve, where they could have their video games never make any money and not even make video games and still be fine because Gog is going to keep them fine. Yeah, they're they're baby Steam, <laughs> and. And even Baby Steam can make a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, I'm not imminently worried about them. Like this, this is a yeah. dent. This is certainly a dent. But yeah, they they've already made a ton of fucking money off this, regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, this game made its money back before it released, and it's got 13 million copies sold. And they don't need yeah. to worry; they're fine. Yeah. So I don't want people to get the impression that you know we're saying, "Oh man, they're so fucked." They're not fucked. They're fine. And for me, it was it was never about seeing them commercially fail. No. It was about everyone seeing what I and others saw. Yeah. That, yeah, look at this big successful fucking publisher. How different is it from all of the other ones that you hate? Yeah. It's behaving just as bad, if not worse, and it's become clear for everyone to see. It wasn't that that CD Projekt Red has failed. It's that CD Projekt Red has been seen in the same light Bethesda has been seen as, which it should if not worse, because Bethesda, for all its incompetence, I don't think has ever been quite this dishonest and abusive at the same time. So, you know, just, just re- like, it, it's not even just the bugs, it's the crunch as well. It's just the endless dishonesty. That's that's all I wanted people to see. Yeah, and people see it now, dot, 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 because it came alongside bugs. <laughs> and it won't fucking change their success rate, you know. They will still make tons and tons of money, but at least I can fucking criticise the thing without getting, you know, have my face torn off. And I've seen the fucking, you know, people who would have been at the journalist's throats five minutes ago for, you know, saying this or that about CD Projekt Red or, uh, or fucking cyberpunk now turning right around and saying fucking game journalists didn't tell us about the console problems. They're in cahoots. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. They're screwed. Everyone's screwed here. They screwed everybody. All of us. Yeah. I mean, there's things to be said about the functional use of establishment video game reviews. Absolutely. I mean, I've said they're functionally useless. And some people drew the wrong thing when I compared it to The Last of Us 2. I wasn't saying that the reviews were saying The Last of Us 2 was great and The Last of Us 2 was shit. But there were important story details um, and other things and content warning details that they couldn't go into in the reviews. I mean, I, I don't know, because there's so many controversies this year, that bit might have been forgotten because it don't come up much now, but that was the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, is there's so many restrictions on these reviews. And it's not so much that individual reviewers were at fault on this one, it was that CD Projekt Red stacked the deck, like I've been talking about for years. I, I mentioned that in the whole wildcard video I did. Publishers do this. They select the publications they believe from experience will be most 
sympathetic to their games. Mm -hmm. They control what they can say, when they can say it. And apparently since I, you know, got out of that shit, it's only been getting worse because I keep hearing more and more about just these more egregious oversteps. Um, none that have been sort of so egregious. I've never heard of them before. Like, um, I've been replaying Metal Gear Solid 4, which we'll talk about later, but I remember there was very similar issues with that, like huge NDAs at the time for the reviews. And that's from the sounds of it becoming more normal. And time and time again, these reviews that come out before launch or at launch day are turning out to be relatively useless just not fit for purpose certainly not comprehensive enough to cover what needs to be covered and that's exactly what game publishers want i mean that that explicitly benefits them as does games press getting blamed for everything there's a reason that like i've taken to a lot this year um if i do accept early code for games what i will typically do is play through the game ahead of release and if it turns out that there is something in there that i can't talk about the nda but i think is important to my review i will just wait until release day to post my review because I would rather post the review and have everything that I want to talk about in there than post it a few days early and, you know, not be able to talk about the thing because that's the thing. You can, in most cases, accept early review code, use that time to get a review ready for release when it is most important without having to, you know, ah, oh, well, I, I, I can't talk about this because then I'll have to wait an extra two to three days. Yeah. And for the record, also want to say that none of what I'm saying is excusing establishment games media's complicity in a lot of stuff. No. Like, I will go to bat for, like, like individual reviewers and critics who are being dogpiled on and shit. Yep. But we also just have to, to look at games media's sort of weird symbiotic relationship, very uneven relationship with, with games publishers where they hold all the cards and can, can manipulate public perception this effectively. You know what I would love to see, and I know we'll never get it, in book reviews, there is this decentralised idea of how review copies are often uh, distributed. When I published Uncomfortable Labels last year, it was put up on a site called NetGalley, which is for book reviewers, and my publisher and myself had no say in, in who got review copies from there. What happened was people who have accounts with that site would apply for a review copy of the book and NetGalley would go, yeah, you you are a legitimate reviewer, have a copy of this thing that you have requested. It was a decentralised way of not picking and choosing who gets to have review access to a piece of media, which is honestly a much healthier way to go about something like that. Well, I mean, it's no wonder the... And when, when I say the game industry, we're talking, you know, mainstream, the, the AAA stuff. Like, that sector, there is a good reason why it has evolved so little in terms of anything but graphics. When it comes to storytelling and, and that, there's some good stuff out there, but it, it's few and far between. And it's still at such, like, basic level themes, such as The Last of Us 2, which is, I mean, when you've, when you're looking at, like, Quantic Dreams games and you're, you're, holding that up as an epitome of quality writing in a medium. There's a problem. So do we want to talk about, about video games we've played this week? You're saying we need more criticism in our criticism. Yeah, that is a fair piece of criticism to level. It's insulated. I'm going off again. Um, I'm unzipped. They cultivate this truth of theirs so they don't ever have to 
face up to anything. So these game directors that consider themselves auteurs and, and consider themselves geniuses and visionaries while they force everyone under them to work obscene hours, they don't have to face a reckoning on anything they do because they can crunch a studio to death uh, to such a degree it's called a standout in terms of, of overworking uh, uh, studio stuff. And you can be called the best director of the year for that. And yeah, the, most of the mainstream game reviews will not bring up questionable stuff or if there's questionable content there might be an NTA that says they can't talk about it and then it's sorry or you can't even show your own game footage here have hours that's I mean it's completely uh, unbiased there isn't it I like it when I can only show and tell what a game publisher tells me I can show and tell all it would have taken would have been for all the fucking game websites to have just said no we're not reviewing Watch Dogs Legion yeah yeah Anyway, video games we done played some this week. Did. Did play some. Does anyone want to talk about one? <laughs> Conrad, did you play a game? <laughs> you did play a game because I saw it on the thing. I was excited to hear about you playing it. What did I play? You played Plague Tale, didn't you? Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did play Plague Tale, Innocence. Yeah. I'm, pr- yeah. I'm proud of you. Well. I'd be proud of anyone that played a Plague Tale, right? Let's reserve that pride a moment. <laughs> yeah, I know where this is going. Because right. <laughs> I started it up as I, based on your frequent recommendation of it and, and others that told me that it's excellent. And, you know, going in, I, I mean, I knew what I was doing and I knew how this was going to go, but I still started playing it. And it's really great introduction i was quite pleased with you know the tutorial stuff that i was going through and and as it's going on i'm like wait a minute i know how miserable and depressing this is going to (laughs) become and i was not disappointed and i made it as far as uh the start of chapter two and i'm feeling to myself oh my god i'm gonna be so unhappy and miserable the entire way through this it's just gonna be emotional abuse for the next however many hours i do this and then the game crashed and i thought all right there's your off ramp my computer solved the problem (laughs) i don't have to worry about it now (laughs) why do you hate hades so much Connor? (laughs) Like, I've just been sick of it all year, fucking going on and on and on. Hate is this, hate is that. <laughs> He's good. He's probably my game of the year. <laughs> Despite not being you know, everything <laughs> I'd want. Because that's how it works. You have no idea how in that one moment <laughs> you sounded and in my head looked exactly like Jonathan Holmes. <laughs> that's such a Jonathan move. <laughs> Suddenly, the twist at the end. Oh, probably my game of the year. Thanks, John. (laughs) Thanks, Johnny. (laughs) (sighs) So, yeah, uh, Plague Tale Innocence, it it seems like a very, very good game that I, I, I probably can't play. I don't know. I think I'm just reaching a point in my video game enjoyment where I don't want to be forced to or told that I should feel bad or play something that I know is specifically geared towards bad feels. And that's totally fair. Like, I have time where I don't enjoy that because it's, yeah, sometimes the thing is just a bit a bit tense and miserable and not what you're after. Yeah. It's not what you want in your leisure time sometimes. I think I've been edging away from tension in video games as in like an atmospheric sense for a long time too because uh, you know, ever since Amnesia the Dark Descent 
came along and I played that and I was like, no, just no. That's a big old fucking no from me. Uh, I, I find myself doing that more and more often with games and, and with things that seem less and less extreme in that sense. So, uh, I, uh, sort of an interesting personal development thing. Interesting to me at any rate. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Laura? Are you playing anything? Uh, I played I played a bunch of little bits of things this week. So I, I played one thing this week that was just a personal matter of curiosity. Catherine Fullbody is a game that exists. Mm. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I I played through the original Catherine back in the day. Um, mechanically really interesting. I like its mechanics. What I don't like is some of the stuff around trans people in that game. Um, yeah. I'm going to talk... Catherine spoilers here for a few minutes so like you know that's the thing but um Catherine is a game all about men having nightmares and one of the people who has these man only nightmares is Erica a trans woman and that feels a bit shittily like it's implying that Erica is is not a woman but is a man so I'd heard some stuff about Catherine full body and was like Fuck it, okay, I'm gonna take a look. First of all, before I get into this in any real depth, Catherine Full Body alters one of the endings to Catherine so that now Erica detransitions and is Eric now, uh, which was what they were uh, previously deadnamed as in the credits to the original game. So that's, that's fun. But the reason why I checked this out, and I don't know why I did this to myself, but there was a bit of me that was like, I just wanna know if I was fucking right. When Catherine Full Body got announced, it got announced with a trailer, and the end shot of the trailer was this new character Rin with the pink hair uh, lifting up her skirt and the main character doing a big huge jaw drop exaggerated face and I was fucking saying on social media the day that trailer went out I was like oh Rin's got a penis fucking clear as day I got fucking weeks of harassment for that take being like oh oh no it's probably just he's shocked at seeing a naked woman and ah oh, stop exaggerating and assuming everything and making everything about trans stuff i got fucking hassled for weeks about that and was like fuck it i'm not gonna i just didn't want to touch the game because it was a bad time and i got curious enough to fucking play catherine full body and yeah i was fucking right rin has a penis fucking called it because of course she fucking did if you looked at the website for that game it was oh Oh, oh, coy show it, pulling up the dress, but oh, oh, there's a big shiny thing so you don't see what's at the crotch. The whole fucking box art for the game was was Rin's underwear, and it's like, you don't obsess that much about the character's underwear unless, oh, there's a big surprise what's in there. Not strictly a trans woman, it's about a fucking alien, an alien disguised as a person, but point remains, clearly, like, I was like, yeah, that's femme-presenting person with a penis, that's clearly the shock terror horror response you were going for. Don't play Catherine full body, probably don't play Catherine. It's got some weird shitty anti-trans bullshit in there. I tried the demo like when it was, well before it had come out, you know, yeah, um, the original. Um, it wasn't for me to begin with, but yeah, every time I hear about that I just, ugh. I mean all that's yeah, it's here's the thing. The original Catherine is shitty in that regard. Catherine Full Body took an already shitty game and made it worse in that regard. So, oh, kind of like what you know, Swear Sixty Five does with his statements about trans people, where he just yeah, the yeah, more he yeah. adds, the worse it gets. Oh, uh, do you remember that weird bit of this year where he kept tweeting me and then deleting Fucking his tweets hell. and then tweeting yeah. me more and then deleting his tweets because he didn't like that I said maybe you did a bad job with the trans character. Yeah. So yeah, I played that. But yeah, no, I played another game with a trans character in it this week called If Found. Much better game. It's like a two to three hour long visual novel or st interactive story, but it's told all through 
um, using an eraser to work through someone's journal. It makes use of this singular mechanic as a way to progress the story really nicely. It is about slowly, piece by piece, taking apart parts of someone's life. I will warn people that it's one of those games about trans experiences that is, albeit very accurate in its depiction of what it can be like to come out as trans, can be quite gruelling to play through. It doesn't pull any punches, which at times can be emotionally taxing to go through. By the end of the game, I was really pleased with where the story went. I thought that it was a really nice story, but it is a gruelling one. Yeah, it, it is a nice, it is a well-told trans story, but don't go into it if you are looking for just a positive time, because it's one of those trans stories that gets told a lot. The Let's linger on all of the bad things that go on during coming out before we get to the nice bit. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a very well told bit of interactive fiction. Just go in knowing that like there's going to be a bit in the middle where it's going to get a bit grim for a bit before it gets good, and I can't recommend that easily to people. Yeah, if found, very effective piece of media if a bit grueling. What about you both? What have you played? Uh I have played. I mentioned last week that I've been on my PlayStation 5, going through PlayStation Now to see what's on it. And I just kind of blown away by what's on it. Like some deep cuts Mm. as far as weird middle shelf garbage that you and I would have been forced to cover back when we were doing the games blogs beat um, that I've not thought about since then. Hits like Damnation, Mm. Codemasters' action shooter, They sold it on the fact that you could jump up and down on ledges a lot. Uh, Bloody awful. Dark Void, that classic. Oh, oh, okay. So fun story. Fun story. Uh, One of the first industry parties I went to was a Dark Void party. And the creative director of the game, I believe it was, uh, I was talking to them. And I think they came up asking who was reviewing the game at Destructoid. Yeah. And you had just published an Assassin's Creed 2 review? That would have been the one. That would have been the one. And the man's face just went pale. (laughs) It was... I felt real bad. And that was early. Yeah. Those were early years. Yeah. Dark times. Uh, Yeah. The faces don't go pale anymore. They just sort of just sneer and just go, fuck them. Which apparently someone at... Konami literally said before the the blacklisting. Um, so yeah, Dark Void that that jetpack one where um, Nathan Fillion was uh, voicing just playing Nathan Drake again. Bionic Commando one and two, the the remake ones, they're on it. You know, mm. um, mm-hmm. I believe I, I I've never actually played them, but I believe they were quite liked, or at least one of them was. I don't know. I enjoyed them. Yeah. All right, the first one I enjoyed. I didn't play much of the second. Battleborn. Oh. <laughs> Battleborn and Brink. I mean. It's someone made the decision. Let's make Brink playable here on the PS5. You never know. You never know. Dead Rights Retribution, of course, I've been, uh, uh, I talked about last week. Jimmy Johnson's Anything with an Engine. Ooh, a classic. If you're getting a PS5 for, for Christmas, right? You can, you can play Jimmy Johnson's Anything with an Engine on it. Day one. Day one, mate. No charge except for the PlayStation now. Which will also get you Quantum Theory. Wow. Yeah, one of the most disgustingly badly made games I've ever played. That was, that was Tecmo Koei's attempt to shit out a uh, Gears of War style cover shooter. 
Um, one thing I'm learning looking at the, certainly the, the PS3 games on there is just how drab everything looked. It was all grey and brown and muted stuff. Like, I know it was such a... a, a, a uh, it was a well-worn thing to say it at the time, sure. but when you go back, everything is so washed out and faded looking. The main game I've been playing this week is Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. It's very washed out. Yeah, it looks bad. Yeah. Graphically sure, you know, facial animations and all that for the time. Cool. Great. It's ugly. It is, yeah, just drab brown and grey, and whenever there is colour, there is just this washed out, filtered look to it. And, and it's a shame. And it, the same with Dead to Rights Retribution. Just just sludge. It just looks like gruel. So many of them did. I'm glad that at least these days, even though we still get games ripping each other off, they're ripping off things like hero shooters and, and battle royales and stuff where it's there's a lot of bright colours. At least there are colours now. That's nice. Mega Solid 4 was the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that was the beginning for Kojima really like huffing himself. Just just huffing his own Kojima fumes. Oh, God. The self-referential stuff borders on pure vanity. Plus, you see the beginnings of some of the absolute bullshit. Just the the stuff and nonsense and waffle that would make its way into Death Stranding. Um, Kojima untethered. Just, it's a mess. There needs to be five editors with massive shears that just go through his guff. Because I tell you this, you don't need... Two cutscenes for about 20 minutes of dialogue explaining that if you pick up duplicate guns, they will be sold to the gunsmith for points. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need. I wouldn't mind, like, like this was also some of the zenith of, of like, Kojima cutscenes. Mm-hmm. You know, Phantom Pain was so much more action-oriented, gameplay-oriented. That was much more the focus. But Metal Gear Solid 4 was was famous at the time. You know, one of the major criticisms was just the lengthy cutscenes and the sitting and watching all the time. And yeah, yeah, that that's present. Mm-hmm. And it's boring. Like, there's a lot of, like, there's cool characters and, and silly stuff, and, and there's a lot of fun, interesting stealth mechanics in the game. It's enjoyable. Right. But so many of the cutscenes are things like, let's go into long, laborious detail telling you what nanomachines can do, which is always everything. Yeah. But never how it's done or, or like, like why they're so brilliant. It's just nanomachines, son. How they can do them is they're tiny machines. They're tiny, those machines. Therefore, they can do it because they're machines. And they're tiny. And it's so frustrating because it will then, you know, Meryl will then talk for ages listing the individual things it can do, which again is summed up as, I get it, the nanomachines regulate and monitor and control these soldiers. That's all I need. Is Metal Gear Solid 4 the one that, if I remember correctly, there's a whole plot point about Johnny Sasaki, the man with IBS, never gets the nanomachines because he's afraid of needles and that's why he can save the day. Yeah. Is because he's he's a, he's afraid of the ro- tiny blood robots that would have fixed his IBS. So he keeps his IBS, but he gets to save the day. Yeah, it's been many years. That's that's all I remember from that whole game. <laughs> it's been many years since I last played it, and in this current playthrough I've gotten as far as he's still just shitting himself. Yeah, but that shitting himself is important to the plot. Yeah, I remember, as you as you say, I do, I think you're right. I, I vaguely remember he's got no nanomachines. And... I think the deal is that Psychomantis can't control him because yeah, something like that. He, yeah. he, he never gets the nanomachines to fix his IBS. Those are still really fucking cool. 
the the beast unit designs and just the way they are. Yeah. That first cutscene they appear with like the just the octopus sort of coming out and grabbing soldiers and just the the screaming and the laughing with the digitized effects and the the those callbacks to sort of the the foxhound members they're based on. Mm. Uh, it's so good. Like it's just awesome. They Wonderfully designed, brilliantly voiced. The shrieks and and the laughing and and that the the Vulcan one just screaming rage all the time, and the the Mantis puppet one just sort of shrieking. It's really creepy and awesome. <laughs> they are just so wonderfully designed as characters. I haven't gotten to a point where I fought them. I remember the boss fights being mixed in terms of interest and sort of how interesting they were. I remember the, the Mantis fight ending really entertainingly. The, the gameplay itself is still cool. It's interesting to play a game like this, having uh, spent so many years with games with that sort of budget and standing, those sort of mainstream games, where stealth now is you can't even call it optional anymore. Stealth is a play style. Stealth is a something you level up into. It's a commodity. It's it's a sometimes in many games now it's a bonus rather than a way to play the game. And um, Metal Gear Solid Four is you know actionized to fuck. No getting around that. There's plenty of guns and shooting and combat, but there is still you know there are many areas where stealth is still the optimal way to get through, and there's still a lot of encouragement to do it. And there are stealth mechanics, the camouflage, the the sound to worry about. And it just struck me because I, I I haven't played a game with with such a stealth emphasis and such a, a a number of things to worry about regarding getting caught in a while. I've been used to so many of these open world games where it's like, press the crouch button, like practically run up behind someone with a really fast crouch, and then just press the button that breaks their neck. And here it's like, there's tools and and tricks and and the camouflage and and making sure not to to make too much noise. And it's, you know, it's not super complicated, but compared to many of the games with stealth these days, where stealth is... More to make you feel cool. Like, don't get... I love it. Like, the the stealth stuff in in Ghost of Tsushima is there to just make you feel like this terrifying phantom in the night, you know? And it's great. But it's interesting going back to a game like this where it's so much more... You're incentivized to not get caught and there's things to worry about and quite a few tricks to do to not get caught. Um, Compared even to, like, Phantom Pain, where when you got caught, you had that window of time where it slows down and you grab them or can shoot someone and sort of disarm the situation. Or if you do get caught, combat is just as viable most of the time, just equally as good. So that's been interesting, just going back and playing, um, you know, one of these largest scale stealth games back before stealth was really more a character class than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been dipping my toes back into some stuff this week. Not huge amounts to say about these, but um, I've started trying to play Mass Effect Andromeda again because it's mm. on EA Play, which is part uh. of Game Pass now. Uh-huh. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I did this a while ago. I talked about it on Podquisition back then. I tried playing Andromeda and, and admittedly enjoyed it a lot more than I did when it originally released. And I just never got to the end of it. I don't know what happened, and maybe I will remember what happened that pushed me off of it the last time when I get there. Once again, I'm playing Andromeda and going, I'm having a real good time. I'm having a good time methodically clearing through these planets and sorting all their problems and getting 100% on all the things and working my way through uh, really, really carefully. 
I find it a good fun game in which to shoot stuff, even if like the concept's really bland and I still find it weird that you go all the way across space only to deal with the exact same species and same problems that you had in the original trilogy. But like, right now I can't remember why I dropped off it last time, and I'm sure that'll come and I will remember why I never- I will remember why I have played Andromeda multiple times and never finished it, but for now, Oh, I'm having a good time! I don't know why I never finished this game. I do this every couple of years. I keep thinking, maybe now's the time. Maybe now's the time for me to finish Andromeda. I don't know if it will be, but I'm I'm back in there. I mean, I still think that sometimes about the first Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've given up on that. I mean, I've practically... I did all but, like, the very, 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 very last fight. Which I just couldn't be fucked with because I hated the whole game. I did the same thing. Jane did the same thing. She was playing through it and she got as far as like right at the end and then just dropped off it. Yeah. And that annoyed me so much I never did the others. Well, yeah, I I wound up having to review Mass Effect 3 and thought, okay, well, I should probably play the first two if this is going to happen. And loaded up my save, went to the next mission, and it was the end. Uh, I had no idea. I just dropped it at some point and it was finished. And and then I got to move on to the much more enjoyable Mass Effect 2 immediately. Yeah, which I never did because the first one put me off so much. And I I, I often don't like, if I don't like finish a first thing, I don't like going on to the second thing of a thing. But when those remasters sort of are out, I've got a bit more patience for Bioware games than I used to. Still not enough for the first one. Fucking hate it. But probably enough to where I can, you know, do two and three. I am still having a lot of fun with Andromeda. Like, I treat Andromeda less as, like, caring less about the main story and more using it as just, here's a bunch of nice um side quest filled big hub worlds. Go off and do an explore and spend a bunch of time feeling like I've gotten to know a planet properly before I move on. And I'm having a, I'm having a good time. I'm not giving it my 100% attention. I'm doing side quests while I play podcasts or whatever, but I'm having a, I'm having a good time with it. What about you, Conrad? What have you been playing this week? Oh, God. I played video games, didn't I? You did play video games. Uh, yeah, I did play Wilmot's Warehouse uh, after we yeah. talked about it briefly. How'd you find it? Pleasant. Yeah, right? Pleasant. Yeah. Again, didn't spend a ton of time in it, but I got through um, a, a bit of it, and I like the way it's. it gives you this sense of freedom about how you organize things and there's lots of means by which to do it i tend to prefer to do it by colors that's that's how i tend to start a run yeah i'll start by colors until it gets complicated it's like oh there's there's countless shelves of that color yep it's gonna get a little bit tricky as as i can see but i I think i'm about like 12 percent 15 percent so there's still a, a good ways to go yeah it's been a lot of fun i have found that relaxing. Uh, speaking of relaxing, I also have been playing a, a bit of... Well, I played a bit more uh, Spinnerality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, still fun, still humorous. I, I don't know that I've made a ton of progress, but I also don't feel particularly challenged by it yet. Mm. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's coming uh, because it just all feels pretty straightforward in terms of move resources, get more resources achieve goals but i'm uh, it's fun but the other one i played in the same vein i guess is a uh, railway empire oh yeah i guess i was going through stuff that i'd gotten for free on epic game store yeah and that was in there and i'd been playing factorio and enjoying messing about with trains and that and i thought you know what i'm just gonna put this on 
And as a, you know, train track building, you know, management sim, it's pretty good. As a thing that really likes to like, make subtle digs at rail barons, it's very <laughs> fun. <laughs> I actually qu quite enjoy it. <laughs> because, you know, along the way you are, we're, I mean, you're the baddies. You're the baddies. Yeah. 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 And you're being rewarded for taking over industries and then routing freight so that it benefits your companies more. <laughs> and all of this shit I look at myself doing in horror. <sighs> so that's fun. That's a fun game. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. One thing that I've been playing, and I'm definitely going to be playing more of in the, the next week or so, is I got back into playing Microsoft Flight Sim, mainly because they've finally done an update that I haven't had a chance to try, but I'm very excited about, where they've added VR support to the game, which I'm a big proponent of the fact that I I think that vehicle sim games are very, very, very much improved by VR support. Mm. I very much love um, American truck sim or Euro truck sim in VR because of the fact that it is so much easier to play those games when you can just glance your eyes to wherever you need to see, where you can look out the window to each side without having to slowly turn with an analog stick. B being able to glance around at things really quickly and easily in the midst of gameplay is a really helpful tool in those games. Mm -hmm. And in something like Microsoft Flight Sim, it's been my biggest issue playing on, on screens is it's awkward to glance down at specific uh, instruments on your dashboard while still keeping the plane level. Like, you don't want to be looking away from certain things to look at other things, and I am just excited for, I can quickly dart over to that instrument I want to look at, and I can look out the window and not feel like I'm screwing everything up. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just really nice. So, expect next week for uh, VR impressions on that. The fact that VR has come to it has has gotten me really excited to jump back into into more of it. Hmm. Uh, anyone else played anything else they want to talk about? I played Naughty's Playtime. You did! <laughs> How did that go? Oh, here's the problem, folks. If you stream a game based on a series of books by a UK children's author, you should know how racist they're going to be. Oh, no. It's just going to be a fact. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, it didn't go too bad. It wasn't until I started the stream, I'm like, oh, fuck, Enid Blyton. Yeah. Probably bad. And then, like, within, like, 10 minutes, people in the chat were like, oh, God, not only was, was Enid Blyton a massive racist, but let me tell you about Noddy. And then I was terrified. Yeah. Because I was playing Noddy's Playtime. The little man with the red and yellow car, Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with his friend Big Ears the Gnome. I... I discovered recently um, some of the terrible stuff that's in the Tintin books, for example. There's a lot of bullshit in old kids' media. Do not think to yourself one day, oh, it's a good idea to, to say that Noddy is punk as fuck and stream a stream titled Noddy is punk as fuck. <laughs> while, while you then spend your time driving around Toy Town terrified you might run into a Gollywog character. Oh no. Which, thankfully, they were apparently edited out when it was put back up. So... Oh wow. But in any case, I, I was so shocked when Big Ears reprimanded me for not finding a donkey in time that I uh, kicked a wire out my second monitor and now I can't put it back in. 
So then I just sat on the stream all day talking about stuff. Um, speaking of stuff, right, just for the record, my name isn't Commander. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job title in wrestling. That's my job title at Rise. That's Commander Sterling. I'm, I'm, hi, I'm Jim Sterling from the Jimquisition. I'm not going to be able to put Commander and Inquisition together. There's no brand future in that. <laughs> so yeah, you, you were second ago saying about things that are punk as fuck. Is this a good excuse for us to throw the ball over to you for HRT is a thing? Taking a shitload of HRT, HRT like you wouldn't believe. Chugging it all day long. Don't do that. That would make you feel sick, I imagine. Yeah. You'd just be yeah. sick over a fence. Don't do that. So I've just, because I mentioned it on um, on the Jimquisition. Yeah. And I've, I've obviously done it in typical Jimquisition fashion, just to be obnoxious and... Mention it in passing as a joke and then sort of run away. <laughs> well, I was doing that at first. Now I'm doing the other thing where I just sort of yell it in an obnoxious way, <laughs> yes. but in a way that people will still take as a joke because I'm yelling it in an obnoxious yeah. way. But yeah, it's not a joke. I, I started HRT a, a few weeks back. Which stands for hormone replacement therapy, for anyone who doesn't know what that means. Yes, transition. So uh, I am non-binary, I am trans, I'm gender trash, thank you very much. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not called Commander, <laughs> although I do find it fun. And if people are talking about Commander Sterling, hey, anything that gets the wrestling gimmick over, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's not, that's not, I'm not transitioning into a wrestling title no <laughs> pilfering supervillain with a luchador mask <laughs> two simultaneous things are happening you have a wrestling persona and also are doing doing a, a hormone yeah yeah you know most people that actually follow stuff know that yeah, but apparently but... like conrad told me this morning there's been some confusion so i'm like <laughs> they, they are two different things like the the my twitter stuff has been sort of wrestling facing for a long time now yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's more about that. Although I still talk about a lot of game stuff, but as far as, you know, the avatar and the the name and the bio references, a lot of it's wrestling stuff. That's the brand you're trying to push. <laughs> Twitter at this point is a bit more useful for that than the game stuff. You want the game stuff, they you know, it's on the Patreon, it's on the Podquisition. They got the you got the YouTube and the the podcast and the yeah, and the Patreon and whatnot. And you know, Twitter does the same stuff YouTube does. Like you see uh, Casey Explosion talk about this a lot, like link burials and stuff. So even Twitter isn't a great place to grow to sort of like bring audiences to to a, you know, YouTube video or something. It's not going to help there. It doesn't even really have all that much with the Patreon even. A lot of it's still just as much word of mouth as possible. But with, with wrestling, especially, well, indie wrestling is a small world. So having Twitter mutuals and stuff, there is a lot more, just a lot more value there. Yeah. So that's why I'm a lot more commander than Jim on, on Twitter. Um, but no, it's not. It's not an identity change. It's no. it's just my wrestling persona. Um, but but the 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 HRT the transition stuff is real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. High five, Estrogen Squad. Woo. Thank you very much. Now, now Con Conrad's, Conrad's the odd one out on, on this podcast now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to bully the fuck out of him. Oh, well. I'm going to bully the fuck out of him. We're, gonna, we're just going to have to bully Conrad. Oh, 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 what, what, what we're having cis people in video games. Ugh. Yeah, we don't, we don't want no cis people on our video game podcast. <laughs> Taking everything away from me. <laughs> Well, you've already been stripped of your barony. Yep. Indeed. Yep. 
Yep. You're no longer a lord, you know, you've got nothing left at this point. I mean, this is the point at which I pivot right, isn't it? Like, this is the point where I cash in and pivot right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we've we've been mean to you and you go, ah, oh, the, 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 the transes and the non-binaries are very mean to me. Please give me a far-right book deal. Right. <laughs> one moment of... One moment of vulnerability, and you, my friend, are on your way to an award from the British Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the Queen's own state-funded hate machine. Ooh. Best bit of writing of the year, that. <laughs> By her royal appointment, Auntie Beeb. Auntie Beeb, a biological woman. Fucking hell, BBC, you turf fucks. Yeah, BBC gave a nonsense award to a fucking turf this year, because of course they did. I just want to like hang out a window and just shake my fist at everything. I mean, it's deserved. It's necessary. Yeah. You gotta do it sometimes. Just everything just ah, snowing outside all this past week. Oh, lovely! It's exciting. Ooh. I want snow over here. There's been none over here. Uh, do you want some a couple of newsy bits before we wrap up? Yeah, yeah. A couple of newsy bits. Uh, quick update. This probably should have been a thing when the PS5 launched, but now the PS5 will tell you if you're about to boot a PS4 version of a PS5 game. Ooh. That's useful. He now gives you a warning saying, did you mean to play the PS4 version? There's a PS5 one over there. Did you, do you want to play that one instead? They could also redesign the PlayStation Store, so like it was on PS4, you can actually tell which ones are pre-orders and which ones are actually available for sale before you click on them, so I don't keep wasting my fucking time thinking something's out. But they haven't yet. Pricks. <laughs> So that's, that's a thing that happened. There's been more Nintendo leaks. You know how we got all those like prototypes of N64 stuff and stuff a while ago? Oh, yeah. There's been another one of those, this time a bit more recent stuff. Yeah, there's some stuff in there that was vaguely interesting, some prototype designs, what the Switch might have looked like. What's most interesting, and I think, uh, Conrad, you brought this up. Do you want to talk about this one? About Nintendo's carrot and stick approach with the 3DS hacker? Uh, yeah. Conrad, you showed me this. Yeah. I did show you this. And it... Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird, fascinating thing. Well, it's it's unsettling because, yeah. you know, good guy Nintendo, we all know and love them, would never do a bad thing. <laughs> never. Never. And there was a internal report of an investigation into one of the 3DS crackers um yeah you say investigation it seemed like they were fucking like irl stalking him around his house yeah like, yeah making notes on like do friends enter or leave the house with him like nintendo fucking stalked a man yes like here's under the uh key investigative findings here i mean the the way that report is written someone was like horny for how much like a secret agent they felt. Yeah. For how oh, cool God, yeah. this spy shit was. Someone was just rubbing themselves. What their, you know, professional career is, you know, it's, it's, it is vague. You know, there aren't like specific address information details. You know, it's not like doxing this person. Um, yeah. And keep in mind too, this document is now seven years old. This came out in 2013 yeah. or, or was produced in 2013 and just discovered. Um, but they, their age, their work week schedule, Monday through Thursday. Yeah. What they do evenings and weekends. No friends or visitors entering or leaving with them. Only additional activity included a trip to the bank and a restaurant alone. Yeah. Like, they were clearly like tailing him in a car making notes. Yeah, well, I assume they hired a private investigator 
to tail them for, you know, or to, to observe them for a period of time mm. to get a, an understanding of their whereabouts and, and activities. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. I 100% believe this being a real thing because completely unverifiable, but I once got told that Nintendo had someone follow me around a convention. I remember, because yeah. Because the, the short version, it was after I'd leaked some stuff about the Switch and apparently they had just someone follow me around a convention and make sure I didn't go too near the Nintendo games. And I mean, this is part of the course with any of these companies that are famous for sort of going overboard with piracy stuff, like anti-piracy stuff. Like Nintendo's always been known yeah. for that stuff. Same with uh, Take-Two Interactive, who are known to have done the same things with Grand Theft Auto. They've done these knocking on people's doors and tailing them, tracking them down, getting law enforcement involved, threatening them into stopping doing whatever it is they're doing. Um, this is... It's wholly believable because it happens. Again, my my particular anecdote is secondhand. Someone told me that the thing occurred. I, you know, I I, I cannot guarantee that, but I fucking believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally happens. There, there, there is store. There are documented cases of this going on. Exactly. Yeah, the, these knock and visits are common. The, this whole. You know, trying to sweeten the pot with them, let's threaten and scare them, then try and get them on board with us. Because it, it seems like Nintendo's plan with this hacker was they were going to try and hire them so that they wouldn't do, like, hacking stuff in the community. And they were like, we'll fly them over to Japan, we'll, you know, wine and dine them and then be like, hey, take a job with us, where basically it seems like your job will be, please don't hack us. I mean, this is a pretty common strategy where hackers are concerned is that it's it's more valuable to the company to acquire them, stop their activity, and get the advantage of their knowledge. So it, it's, it's not weird, but it is fucking creepy, the approach. You know what was creepiest about it? The creepiest part of it is when that document details um, the PR plan for if the news of this broke to the press. Like, if people found out about this, what is, what's the plan for how we spin this? Like, they had plans for we know we shouldn't be doing this, so how do we spin it? Don't put your in-case-of-leak press plan on the same document <laughs> as the thing that you don't want leaked, you dickheads. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, it's a bad thing when your what do we do if this leaks yeah. plan leaks. We've gone over this, right? What you do is you keep your documents, your press plans, and your squirt porn on separate drives. <laughs> uh, the only other thing on the news list I wanted to very quickly touch upon, just because it's dystopian and I felt the need to share it. There's a Kotaku headline this week. An esports team signed an eight-year-old, but nobody's sure if it's legal. Now that's punk. Yeah, and you I, I have just one quote from it. And it's just horrifying. Essentially, there's no child labour laws because he doesn't have to work. He's just gaming. Right. Okay. You see, this... This is the stuff I talk about. Yeah. This is the stuff I talked about with loot boxes, like all the other stuff. Like these are companies enjoying a lack of regulation because what they're doing is new because nothing exists to stop them yet. Yeah, exactly. An esports company can get away with hiring a child to do work when they're not supposed to hire children for work because they can go, yeah, but it's not work. It's video games. Yeah. And be confident that no one will call them out on it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? And that I bet that all of those esports professionals who bust their ass every fucking day and get yep. their carpal tunnel and screw up, you know, a lot of their lives in attempting to pursue these 
goals feel real good when shit like this happens and it completely diminishes what they're trying to accomplish. Exactly. This is what we mean when we say companies will do anything they can get away with up to and including child labor yeah and you know what the fun thing is that is left out of this kotaku thing but is a fact the reason child labor laws exist is so that you don't you know overwork and exploit children and that you don't try and get around minimum wage laws and things like that like there's probably a certain degree of we will get this child in our esports team because we can probably avoid paying the minimum wage well yeah you don't have to pay them because they're not working they're just playing they're just they're just they're just just playing yeah Uh, fucking video games in Right. Fucking video games. Whenever someone is trying to make money off your passion, be fucking careful. Like, this is something I've talked about time and time again as well. Like, these ideas that it's not work, it's playing. It's not work, it's, it's your passion. It's, it's your hobby. It's, no, if you're producing, if you're laboring for someone else, if you're making someone else money, you're entitled to shit. And if you're a child, then some sort of there should be some sort of regulation around it if the kid can get to do it cool but they probably shouldn't be able to just do anything they want with this kid yeah well we don't let you know high school students play in college football teams or professional football teams until they're a certain age i don't understand how this is actually going to be viewed any differently because it's just video games i mean that's it that's why that's why the game industry has managed to get away with everything it does because it's just video games but the kfc console is a thing oh yeah i had that i was going to mention that i just want the kf console i mean all i want to say is it's it's got a chicken chamber. It's a not great gaming PC that has a drawer you can put chicken in to keep it warm. And the reason yeah. why it keeps the chicken warm is because this not very good spec PC pumps out way too much heat. And that's why it can keep your chicken warm. That's, that's usually a thing you don't want with your PC. You want your PC to run cool. That's it. The moment I was told, like, do you want this PC that could cook you chicken? No. <laughs> no. I... Don't get me wrong, I like the idea of a chicken chamber. I want to isolate that bit. Fuck the ray tracing. I want a chicken chamber in my house. Yeah, I I do not want any part of the interior of my computer to be hot enough to keep chicken warm. That's bad for my computer components. Also, when I say chamber, I mean chamber. Basically, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of the office stuff out of this room and I am going to start turning the fucking heat up. And I'm going to drag in a whole bunch of chicken. And then this whole room will be a big chicken oven. And then I'll invite people to my chicken chamber. I will invite Jonathan off Road Rules Northern Trail to my chicken chamber. Can't remember how much chicken do you reckon we can get by next week. By next week? Oh, yeah. Oh, my friend. Chicken is not a popular Christmas meat. We're going to have a lot of chicken. (laughs) Cheap, cheap, cheap goes the chicken. (laughs) Five bucks will get you ten if you know the right people. And we know the wrong people. Oh. (laughs) All right. Is that a good place for us to wrap up for this week? Let's do it. Wrap up like something Christmas, you know. This is going up on December 24th, but it don't fucking matter, does it? Have a merry festive time. Well, yeah, but the greatest gift someone could give themselves is a 
book or a podcast that you've oh. done or a video or uh, Laura oh Christmas Christmas yep uh, Laura Gay Buzz everywhere the big ones are the Patreon that's that's a little pr- Christmas gift t- to me from you a little tiny one of like a dollar a month throughout the year that gets me give you the Christmas gift throughout the year of content Access Ability is a show I do on YouTube every Friday. Laura, I don't want to interrupt you. Yeah. And I know we need to push off. But, oh God, Paste Magazine just tweeted, Cyberpunk 2077's multiple failures sum up everything wrong with the video game industry. It's the game of the year in the same way Hitler was Time's Man of the Year. (laughs) What? What? <sighs> so your books, Laura. <laughs> Accessibility. I do that on YouTube every Friday. That's that's about helping disabled people play games and talk about LGBT stuff in games and that kind of thing. I got an episode going up next uh, on on New Year's Day that is about Nintendo and that one time they made an accessible controller for disabled people and then they never did it again. I'm pretty happy with that episode. I got books. Uncomfortable labels. That's the one about being autistic and trans and how that's pretty common and no one really talks about it. There's things I learned from. Mario's butt, which is full of butt pictures and words, including from me and from Jim. And that's on February 4th, 2021. And then there's Gender Euphoria, which comes out June 10th, 2021. It's about it's about trans and non-binary and just various non-cis people talking about times that they were happy and had good positive experiences about their gender. And that's just, I'm very ready for that book to come out. And then there's podcasts, Pixel Squirt, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, um, Dice Funk. Conrad's on that. Oh, hey, that's right. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman, or you could come and hang out with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Um, I'm also funded by Patreon, patreon.com slash fist shark, or you could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com, or maybe an audiobook at conradreads.com. Hey, wait a minute. Speaking of Patreons, Jim, don't you have a Patreon? So if The Last of Us Part 2 is Schindler's List <laughs> and Cyberpunk 2077 is Hitler's Man of the Year, will Halo Infinite be downfall? Because that would bring it full circle with the downfall meme with Halo 3. <laughs> I'm into that. I'm into that. A poetry. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Help yourself. Help yourself. Um... And, you know, go on YouTube.com. I don't normally push it, but the Jimquisition this week had a song and you didn't listen to that. That song was real fucking good. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a video called A Song of Cyberpunk, so you can go check that out. It's good. It's done the rounds a bit. And that's fun. Uh, and that's it. You know, if you do the holiday thing, well done. If you do... <laughs> okay, uh, that's what I said to that. Uh, if you do the holiday thing, well done. Um, Christmas, well done. Congratulations on you. If you're having a sad quarantine one, hello. It'll be all right. We're here just sort of, you know, I'm just going to sit in my own shit on Christmas, so that's fine. Um, We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye. Bye. Bye.